but in the quiet places. That's where we vote. I want to read for you our scripture for today out of Psalm 33. If you'd stand for the reading of the word, beginning at verse 10, going through verse 22. Psalm 33, verse 10. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people He has chosen or elected as His own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From the place of His dwelling, He looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him, on those who hope in His mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in Him, because we have trusted in His holy name. Let Your mercy, O Lord, be upon us, just as we hope in You. This is the Word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. There's an old phrase that's on the screen for you. Vote early and vote often. Maybe you've heard that before, but it comes from in the 1800s. You then transposed it in some folks in Chicago in the syndicate, if you will, including Al Capone, uh, one of the dailies, and another, uh, shall we say, mayor, uh, elected official, of Chicago back in the early 1900s used this. And what did it all mean? Well, it meant that if there were people who were deceased, you could vote for them. Matter of fact, some people would change their disguises and go vote again. And they wanted to make sure their people won the election that way. It's how they ran it. But I, I will say this, Al Capone was the one who's credited with it, but he just borrowed it from the people who were just as corrupt as he was. <laughs> it's true. But uh, vote early and vote often means... You get to vote more than once. Your voice and your vote counts more than one time. Although others who are following the rules of the elections and officials like that would expect you to do it just once and therefore a positive and a negative vote would cancel each other out rather than a positive and a positive and a positive and a positive only canceling out seven other real people's votes. But that's what happened and that's how Chicago began to be known to be a corrupt political system because of voting early and voting often. But let me tell you something. We all vote every day. You might say, oh, no, 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 that's just during election times. We elect every day. Now, a polling booth is a place where you're alone as your choices, granted. And nobody sees, or is supposed to see, what your results are. This is supposedly where your true thoughts and feelings about who are on the ballot are expressed. If you know who they are, that is. Sometimes we say, well, that sounds like a nice name. I never heard of this person. But 
Some of us are more connected with the political system and understand who the people are. But no matter what you say outside of that polling place, that is where your decision is made. So do you vote in such a way that you believe you make a difference and your voice counts? Or do you just punch a button just to get it done? Civic duty. Or do you not vote at all because you believe your voice doesn't count? What's one voice amongst so many others? What does it matter if I vote or not? But I want to share something with you. That same attitude goes over to your prayer closet. What does it matter? I'm just one voice, God. I'm just one voice crying in the wilderness, trying to get this region, my family, and others to know You, to love You. What does it matter what I say or what I do? Why should I even vote today in my prayer closet? Because I don't see any difference. I don't see a change, just like when I voted a pool booth. But I want to share something with you. You vote what you believe in prayer. When you pray, you vote. You vote for what you believe God's able to do, capable of doing, and thinking about in your life. In this passage today, there's a verse that drew me to it. was verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people He has chosen as His own inheritance. And I wanted to do a little digging down to see what this verse really said. And if it says face value, what it says um, in the deeper Hebrew. Now, I cannot tell you how to pronounce the Hebrew words, but I can tell you that the words in there are pretty much as they state, except for the word nation, the word people, and the word chosen. Everything else is as it is. And the word nation there is the Gentiles. Not the Jewish nation, but a Gentile nation, which the United States is. Also, the people there, that would be His chosen people. The people who are so named under His name. Whether at that time as Israelite, or at this time as a child of God by the blood of Christ. Either one is appropriate for that people. And the word chosen there is the word elected. God has elected you. He went into His private place, thought about all the things in the world, and He elected you to be the one. He wanted you to be His people. His chosen. His selected group of people. And the reason I say why I say this is important, it says, blessed is the Gentile nation who recognizes God as supreme. There are Gentile nations that do not. And our nation is gradually becoming less and less Christian. And more and more Gentile. And I mean pagan Gentile. Self-serving self-worship. It's gotten so bad now that even in some areas where you call yourself a Christian, they think you're judgmental and cruel. And that's the label we get. In Canada, people have been arrested for preaching the Gospel. It's not far away. It's getting closer. There's a day coming, sooner or later, when our country will have a strict or more strict uh, understanding, ruling, regulation on the right to assemble. 
It's gradual. It slowly comes. There are certain things you cannot do in public assemblies, and there are certain things you can. And now those are becoming more and more strict. We don't see it because it's so gradual. And every time that something goes on that's ungodly in our world, and the godly people are silent about it, they voted for it. Everybody votes. Whether you do anything or don't do anything, we vote. And I don't mean at the poll. I mean by our actions in this world. As a matter of fact, it's becoming more and more rare to find a place where you can actually be vulnerable and honest about who you are in this world. They're becoming less and less safe places, safe ears, and safe hearts to share your story. Whether it be about faith, or your inner struggles, or your turmoils, or your concerns. Some places you start talking about our country, and the whole conversation goes somewhere else. (laughs) And you'll never get talked about what you want to start talking about. I've seen it a lot. I saw a picture one time of a rally of two different political candidates, and all of a sudden it became about Trump and Biden. I don't know how that happened. But it became about, this is a great president, that's not going to be a great president, this one should be, this one shouldn't be. It was all about that, rather than the thing that was originally there. If you want to have a conversation, switch topics and gears, start talking about the heart of God in terms of our country and how it should be run. Topic will switch real quick. Why? Because people are uncomfortable and they can't share their heart about it, truly, because they believe people are going to stomp all over it. And the worst thing about it is is that this mentality is out in the world. You can't really talk about your struggles in your workplace. It's difficult to do it in social scenes and settings. So where do you talk about it? Where can you truly be yourself? Where can you truly vote to be the believer with the struggles and brokenness that God is working on in this world? Where can you do that? you got to act strong and tough like nothing's wrong, right? But I want to tell you something. And maybe you're just like everybody else in this room. Have you felt one way inside and another way that you present to the world around you on occasion or often? A part of you that you feel like the world would reject if they knew this part of you. That you would feel like they would imminently and totally say, I don't want anything to do with you. There's a song out there by uh, Cademan's Call called The Emptiest Day. And the very first line of the song says... Nobody would like me if they knew all the secrets that I hide. That's not a true statement, but it feels true. There's a somebody who will listen. Are there secrets that you hide that you know you can't share, that you're going to keep to you? You said to yourself, I can't tell anybody. I'm taking these to the grave. Not even uh, if I were to go to a Catholic confession could I share it. Maybe you have some of those. And you can't admit those things in church. So it feels. Because church has not been a safe place. And rejection seems imminent if you do. There are certain topics that are still taboo that you can't talk about even though you struggle with them. And it's tough. I could go through a list of those things you'd start going, yeah, that's right. We can't talk about those here. And we can't talk about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, we can't talk about that either. Like I said with the beginning, that, that um, there are certain things I won't do from the pulpit, like talk about political issues and, and elections, because that's not my task. My task is for you to have a heart of God. 
to have God's heart formed within you and be the people of Christ to the world, more and more loving others. And that task is not about elections. It's about your heart. So, if church is in a safe place, or it seems like it isn't, your vote says, I must stay quiet and stuck. I vote not to say it. I vote to keep it inside. And inside, what you're doing is screaming for relief and a way to share it without fear of losing status, respect, or friends. Uncertainty keeps your mouth closed, which is your vote, and your heart stuck in a place of fear. And you wonder in your head this way, is there a place to go or somebody to tell the truth in inner secrets without fear of repercussion? Is there? And thinking of no place and no one that can answer that question you have, you leave each Sunday having voted to be quiet again and more alone and more isolated and more rejected. And you wonder if the cycle will ever end or how you're going to carry on until you no longer feel even worthy to be in God's presence and then you drift away and vote not to come back because it's not safe to be around God's people. How tragic is that? But it happens over and over again that there's no safe place. But we all vote. Every one of us votes when someone shares something and we judge it or hold it against them or or reject that moment with them. We vote with our words, with our actions, with our time. And further, we vote with our thoughts. We vote with our attitudes and with, with our affections, with our offering or withholding them. We all vote. I'd love you to rock the vote for Jesus. That's what I'd like to do. Every single moment, every thought, everything you do, having the mind of Christ, living out the gospel of Jesus Christ. To vote early in the morning, to vote often throughout the day when you lay down to have been voting all day for Jesus. Would love that. Yet some vote to ignore or disregard Jesus Christ. Some vote to love and encourage others. How do you vote? What is your polling place? And does your time and your prayer time reflect in the world around you? And if it does, is it something God would say, well done? I want to tell you something. The moments during this sermon and immediately following, statistically, right now and until the closing call and the last song, first verse, are typically and statistically the only time you will cast your ballot about what I'm saying. One hour from right now, before it's even half an hour past service over, most of us will have fought off the nudge of the Holy Spirit and the conviction of a word from God. We'll have fought it off with a breath and a sigh of relief. Oh, man, man. I almost, man, I almost confessed. I almost did something, embarrassed myself. I'm so glad I didn't. And, but I'm still stuck. Still broken. Still haven't found a safe place because I've never risked to find out if people will love me regardless. Because I never knew if it was a safe place because I never found out. I want to share something with you. I've been working seven years here to get this to be a safe place. Seven years to get us to be a safe congregation where people can be broken and vulnerable and who they are without fear of repercussion or judgment. Are we there yet? You will know if you feel like you can share. How much you can share. 
That's how much we become a safe place. There's a place you know, on Friday night, Celebrate Recovery. If you need a safe place, that's one. Amen. Definitely. Definitely a safe place. You can talk about all those secrets that you feel like you can't share anywhere else. Dr. Henry Cloud said it like this one, and I love this, and I don't mean anything bad about the church because this church isn't reflective of the church he's talking about. He said, when you go to church and you're having a bad day and a struggle and you talk about it, people are going to say something like this. You know, if you're having a struggle, you have a problem. You got a problem if you have a struggle. You know, Christians shouldn't have those struggles and problems. There's something wrong with you. Have you come to church and you dress proper and according to the standards of the people, and you say everything's great, and you love Jesus a few times. You say a few amens, maybe even carry your Bible, make a note or two about how dinner or whatever else you're thinking about. And people are going to look at you and go, "Hey." You're just fine with God. You're going to be going to heaven because you went to church, carried your Bible, and you wrote something down. That's what it looks like. Now, get this. At places that are safe, like Celebrate Recovery and other places you find, when you say there's nothing wrong with you, people there will say, that means you're in denial and there is something wrong with you because you say you don't have a problem. We all have struggles somewhere. All of us do. There's no secret here about all of us struggle with something. Whatever it is, on every level, shallow, deeper, and deep. We all have it. We're not immune. None of us. But we don't feel like we can share it because other people think, well, I, that's bad that you have that. And they're going, Whew, you let them tell it. I'm not telling mine. See what I mean? People want to hear others, but not their own. But the truth is, we all have them. And so, if you say in a place that's safe, like Celebrate Recovery, I have a struggle. There's something wrong with me. I don't know what to do about it. We talk about it. Guess what they say? Welcome home. You're in the right place. You can talk about that here. You're loved. That's the kind of church this is and is moving toward. Do you know why that's important? Because you can't vote out of your pain if you can't talk about your pain. Seriously. If you have a struggle and you say, this church needs to do this because I know people, including myself, you know, that has this need, we need to do something about it. And you're going to go, how do you know? Uh, well, well, somebody probably does. But if it's a safe place, you can say, because I have that need. I need accountability with other men or with other women. I need help with my finances. I need help raising my children. I need help as I age to understand my life, to understand what my call is, how to love better, how to like myself. I don't even like me. I look in the mirror and I turn away. Do you need help with that? Do you like the person you see in the mirror or do you just tolerate them? That's a question you have to answer. And every time you look at yourself in the mirror and you look and say, God loves you, I do. Or walk away and say, I can't stand myself. You voted. And you vote early and you vote often every time you look in the mirror. Why do I say early? Because most of us get up in the morning and brush your teeth looking in the mirror. Or kind of glance at the teeth but not what we want to not see. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Is after this service is over, 30 minutes later, you've lost your opportunity statistically to do anything about what's being said. 
You'll say, I'll just, well, I'll do something about it later. And we procrastinate the choice and the decision, which is a vote to not do anything. So I'm telling you, statistically, if God is speaking to your heart, do something about it before 1208. Do something about it. It's an act of love to yourself. You're voting for God's favor in your life because blessed is the nation, the Gentiles, who say, God is my Lord and I'm going to confess Him. Let Him heal the land. Humble myself. Here's how this works. Suppose you saw someone walking along and they tripped and fall and they break their arm and they're hurting. Are you going to look at them and go, you're such an idiot. You broke your arm. Get up and help yourself. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Get on your way. What's wrong with you? Or are you going to go, hey, can I help you? So how is that any different than someone saying, you know, I'm struggling because I don't know how to make ends meet. Or, or my family life's a wreck. Or I don't know how to trust. Or I'm angry all the time and I'm driving people away. And you confess that. Someone's not going to look at you and go, what's wrong with you? They're not going to do that. They'll say, how can I help? It's broken. Let me help you fix it. But if it's you sharing it, it's you saying, I'm broken. Can you love me? And that's risky, isn't it? Sure it is. But 45 minutes from now, you'll breathe a sigh of relief because you didn't face it. But God will most likely shed a tear into the bottle of the tears that you never cried. Because you didn't. He will. And He'll grieve silently for you. Because you could have had a change today. We come to church. We voted to worship. And now we're preparing to leave. Other things begin to crowd our minds. What are we going to do next? But has your vote this morning changed the world? Not yet. Not yet. You've got to continue to vote what Jesus called you to. To keep voting yes. And those decisions are tough. Sometimes. But the things we hide in ourselves are what keep us from fully giving ourselves to the Gospel. We can't give all to Jesus because we don't think that this thing is pleasing to Him. So, And we can't talk about it. So we're stuck. Not stuck. He gave us the prescription. Psalm... 33. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord who confesses Him. What's your true motivation for coming to worship today? Why'd you come? Expectations from somebody else? From yourself? People would wonder why you weren't here. What is it in you that keeps you from voting for Jesus with every word, every deed, every thought, and every action? What is it within you that keeps you from that? Some of us, it's selfishness, greed. We don't believe Him. We don't believe in Jesus. This morning, why not leave that stuff here? Here. At the altar. Leave that stuff. 
I mean, what do you have to lose other than a lack of internal personal integrity in the faith? (laughs) Because I don't know how a person can walk around and say, God, I really want to serve You, but I can't do it all myself. And I have an opportunity, but it still not, doesn't feel safe. So how am I supposed to do that? I've just shared with you how to do that. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, confess their sins, and pray to me, I will hear from heaven and heal your land. Our land is sick, folks. And I'm not talking about government. I'm talking about our people's souls. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, my heart breaks because I'm one of the many, one of the all, who struggle with something on all levels. And I'm asking this morning that You would help us to lay these things at Your feet, that we may serve You with all that we are. No reservations, no holding back, no fear. That we would vote today to say yes to You. That we would vote at the altar, through the ballots in the bulletin, or however we need to do that, Heavenly Father. That we have truly voted this day and chosen whom we serve, whom we love, and whom we follow. Heavenly Father, may the prayers we've called forth here in our hearts be ratified there in heaven. And we find that we have voted early this morning in this service. And that we'll vote often throughout every day of our life. Saying, yes, I choose Jesus. I elect Him as Lord of my life. I elect Him in this moment. Regardless of what men may say or do to me, I elect Jesus. Amen.